This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. As Lance Kennedy, our technical director, whispers in my ear, still waiting for Elliot. Uh, Elliot's plane would have landed about an hour ago uh, in Toronto, so he's uh, scheduled to join us here in the second hour. Uh, We will stand by for him. Meanwhile, the news of the day, you know, it sort of all revolves around injuries, but coming off yesterday's BOG, when Elliot joins us, we'll talk about the salary cap. Uh, We'll talk about the World Cup of Hockey, too, which may be headed for even more wrinkles. That's still scheduled for February 2024. But today's news is is not good. And if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, it's not good with Jake Muzzin going on IR. If you're a Florida Panthers fan, it's not good at all with Aaron Ekblad going on LTIR long-term. That's not good. They'll face off against the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Flyers tonight. By the way, again, I know I'm getting ahead of myself in all of this, but these things do happen and they do become part of the conversation. I'm not thinking that, you know, the, uh, the, the Florida Panthers are falling all the way to the bottom, but if they do, they don't have their first round pick. I know I'm getting ahead of myself with Aaron Eckblad and the Florida Panthers, but still, uh, and then the news about Gabriel Landeskog, 12 weeks with the knee surgery. Valerian Chushkin gets bumped up to the top line with Nathan McKinnon and Archery Lekkinen. Elliot Friedman is back from New York City and the Board of Governors, and he joins me now. How are you today, Fridge? I'm good. I'm actually just about to head out on a quick walk while I'm doing this, and I've, I've got your uh, nice. hipster hockey uh, uh, sweatshirt on. Well, you know what? You'll be the most stylish guy in town. And just make sure you have your wedding ring on, Elliot. When you're wearing that hoodie, make sure you have your wedding ring on to let everybody know you're spoken for. I chopped it in two and put them on both hands so that people would be doubly sure. (laughs) Okay, very good. Um, Okay, so a few things here. We'll get to some of the games last night and uh, have a look at what's on the horizon today. But uh, I'll tell you, that was... um, that was surprising coming from Gary Bettman yesterday about the salary cap potentially uh, going up as players might be able to have paid down uh, their escrow. How uh, how quickly did your eyebrows raise on that news? Well, it was surprising. I, I was surprised. I mean, uh, we reported, Jeff, uh, not too long ago that the indication uh, given over the summer was that it was one more year of a, mil- of a million dollar rise and then... Uh, the cap would go probably to about 86 and a half, 87, and then 92. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what a lot of us were expecting. You know, one of the things that uh, was, was interesting about it is that, um, you know, sometimes you, you know, you call ahead and say, what's, you know, what's coming up in this meeting? And there really wasn't a lot there. Like there was, there was nobody really suggesting that this kind of thing uh, could potentially happen. So I, I think, you know, they kept it uh, a pretty guarded secret, which is what kind of surprised us, which is why we were so surprised. Now, I was able to find uh, a little bit more information out about it. Um, it sounds like they presented uh, several different scenarios. I think it's three about what could happen this year. And as Bettman himself said, it's going to be close. Like, you know, he did. He did offer the op, the um, idea that maybe they don't get there by a by a smaller amount, and we get to a situation mm-hmm. where uh, they go up by a million and then more. But if they do get to this where they want to go, 
it looks like it's going to be around the 86 region, maybe a little bit more. So, you know, one of the things that I heard was, was, was part of the conversation is, you know, is the strength of the Canadian dollar. And that's one thing we're all going to be watching you know, for a lot of different reasons. We all watch the strength of the Canadian dollar for reasons not even limited yeah. to hockey. But as you know, Jeff, the, the worse the Canadian dollar goes, the worse it is for some of the biggest revenue teams in the league. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. One of the other things that I think was particularly newsworthy, and look, the players all want best on best. Uh, the fans want best on best. Uh, last year was a real drag not seeing the NHLers um, compete at the Olympics. Uh, the World yep. Cup of Hockey scheduled for February 2024, and the news coming out yesterday, and this has always been built like international hockey, just so everybody knows. That's always been, you know, that's always been Bill Daly's file. That's one of the things that Bill Daly handles for the NHL. The idea that there are a number of European countries that don't want Russians to compete, whether it's under the Russia banner, whether it's under another banner, uh, as artificial as that may be. uh, To some European countries, if Russian athletes are involved, it's a no-go for them. What happens now? Elliot, what happens now? Well, I think that what's gonna—I I think what's gonna happen now, Jeff, is that they kind of have a deadline, and um, I think I think where we're gonna get to here is—and they didn't say what the deadline is, but they said it's gonna be—it's—it's it's getting close. So I have a feeling we're just gonna have to see this play out and 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 see how the NHL feels about it. Like one of the things I I I should explain is that after the formal media conference was done yesterday, um, we went back and asked a couple more questions about uh, what exactly had been said about uh, the World Cup and, and Russia's potential participation in it. And one of the things the NHL had stressed was that they had not made a decision. And so I think they were they were very careful about saying that, but it, it's clear that there's there's an issue here that you know sometimes I think we we think we know what's happening in other parts of the world, but we're not there, so we don't get an understanding yeah. of the of the true passion. And I think one thing that the NHL has discovered here, Jeff, is the true passion of of some of the feelings of those countries uh, in Europe, and this mm-hmm. is. It's not an insignificant thing. We saw this with San Jose, Nashville, and Prague initially with yep. the idea of, of Russian athletes not being not being allowed. Like I, I don't know that we should necessarily be surprised by this because to your point, like this is you know, as much as we look at it in North America and, you know, for, for Ukrainian people, um, you know, you look at the situation and it's absolutely horrifying. I think for you know, a lot of people, it's absolutely horrifying. You know, these people who are living in Europe right now are thinking, well, hang on a second here. You know, what's happening with our safety and our security uh, as well? Like this is, you know, these are, these are you know, light, life and death, death things that you live with. So you can understand where the, the nerves are close to the skin and the emotions are high. To be honest with you, Elliot, when I read this last night, I wasn't surprised at all. I, I, I wasn't shocked. I looked at that and I said, well, I think we've kind of expected it. Like we've seen countries, 
you know, come out and, you know, forbid players from, from going to play in the KHL or if you go and play in the KHL, you can't come back and, and play here. I know that, you know, various people have, have knocked, you know, Canada, the United States for allowing players to go. None of this surprises me from Europeans at all for each. I think we lost Elliot. We'll get uh, we'll get Fridge back on, but yeah, that is the uh, the very latest. There are some European countries. Um, this all under the umbrella of the proposed World Cup for 2024 that are very uncomfortable uh, with the idea, <clears throat> excuse me, of, of Russian athletes competing uh, in any type of proposed World Cup tournament. Uh, we shall see. It's a it's another hurdle here for the NHL as they try to cobble this one uh, together. And we all know the players want to do it. Uh, we shall see if this thing eventually gets done. But eventually, there is going to have to, as Elliot mentions, there's going to have to be a deadline. Like, we're either doing this or we're not. We'll we'll see where it, where it ends up. Uh, where were you on my little soliloquy about Europe there, Elliot? Well, I, I think the, the thing is, Jeff, is that, um, I, like, I... Like, I like I agree with you. I think sometimes we don't think about things, and now we do. But you know, the the one thing you mentioned about deadline is, one if you look at history, one of the things about the NHL is if they really want to do something, they wait. You'll remember, and I remember this uh, the the 2014 Olympics in Sochi. That one, if I'm not mistaken, they got that one done the summer before. Like, it took a long time. I think they always knew it was going to happen, but it was just a matter of getting mm-hmm. everything sorted out, the flights, the cost, the insurance, who was picking up what. It just took a long time. I don't think it was officially finalized until the summer, even though we knew it was going to happen beforehand. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they can afford to wait quite as long as that because if you're not having this tournament next year, you know, what are you doing? Where, where you're putting an all-star game, mm-hmm. things like that, Jeff. But I, right. I, I really – the history with the NHL is if they want something to happen, they'll push it as far as they can. But this is something that nobody controls. It's a much, much deeper challenge. Uh, it is. Uh, transitioning back to the, uh, to the NHL, uh, Vancouver squanders another multi-goal lead uh, last night yep. against the Blue Jackets in overtime. Gavrikov with the overtime heroics, and now Columbus has their first win of the season. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks salvage a point out of this one. They'll face off against Minnesota tomorrow, another team. Uh, that's 0-3. Um, the question I asked off the top of the show today is, is taking one point out of the game yesterday enough to keep the Wolves at bay, keep them away from the front door in Vancouver? Well, I think there's two different kinds of Wolves that we're talking about here, Jeff. One, one pack of Wolves is, you know, the people who don't make those decisions but are frustrated with the way it was go- what's going. And one pack of Wolves is, yeah. is the Wolves that actually do make the decisions. And while you do worry about both packs of Wolves, you worry about one a little more. And, you know, my sense is the Canucks are not in any hurry. I, I just don't believe their preference is to make a coaching change. I, 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 don't, I don't believe it. I, I think they would really like to see if somehow they can find a way to straighten this out and, and, and get some momentum. Like, you know, I mean, like, I, I, like, you know, Rutherford was, was there at the Board of Governors. 
I think he's, you know, I think he's also been around the team a little bit. Like from from what I'm hearing, and this is secondhand because I didn't speak to him yesterday, but from what I'm hearing, I'm getting the impression he's trying to reassure people that he's not in a rush to make uh, a coaching change. So uh, th- that's kind of the, now I could always be wrong. You know, sometimes you get boxed into a corner and you have to do what you, ha- you ha- things you don't want to do. But I just don't get the sense right now that he's in any rush to do that. Um, you know, the, the thing that concerned me last night was you look at that goal by Goudreau um, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like when I first saw it, I was like, are they playing three on three or, you know, how did he get all the way down the ice without really getting touched? And, you know, the best defensive teams in this league, you, you can't do that against them. I mean, Connor McDavid can do it against anybody, but, you know, a lot of other people yeah. can't. And, that play was of concern to me when I saw it. But again, from what I'm hearing right now, they, they really don't seem too eager to make a coaching change. Mm-hmm. I, I really I'm wonder, too, Jeff, the, 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 one... the, more, the more I think about it, Jeff, like watching the way mm-hmm. that Myers rushed back to play yesterday, and, and good on him. I would try to do the same thing if I was a player. I'm just wondering if they try to get another defenseman or something like that. We've talked about that before and the, and the needs for the Vancouver Canucks and the blue line is, you know, the one glaring issue. So I don't think it would surprise anybody if they go in that direction. Uh, going back to the to the Gaudreau goal, I, I still can't believe how far to his right Spencer Martin was when it became obvious to pretty much everybody, I think, that he was going around the net. Like, he beat, like, Gaudreau beat Martin clean. Like it, was, it wasn't even close. Like, that's a, that's a really tough play, a wraparound, unless you really fake the goalie out. He had him mm-hmm. clean when pretty much I think everybody knew where uh, where, where he was headed. Um, so that's the Vancouver situation, and they'll face off against the Minnesota Wild tomorrow. We'll see what happens there. What do you make of New Jersey? It didn't look good early. So Jacob Silverberg scores two goals for the Anaheim Ducks, and all of a sudden we're saying, uh-oh, uh, this can't be good for Lindy Ruff. Certainly not no. good for the New Jersey Devils, and I don't think that Mackenzie Blackwood made it any easier for, the, for, for his head coach. You know, by the end... It was fine. 4-2 victory for the New Jersey Devils. But where does that put the Devils other than they now have a one under the win column? Well, I'm sure it's a huge relief. I'm sure everybody got into that room after the game last night just breathing nicely. You know, when it was 2 nothing, you could feel like, like, like I, I was watching a little bit of it, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, you can feel the tension right through the screen um you could feel what was on the line and number one i give a lot of credit to those players for pulling that out because that one would have been easy to fold as you said you're down to nothing and your goalie is not playing well you have a lot of excuses to just say you know what this isn't our night and no one's going to blame us like if we lose this game we're not the ones who are going to get blamed too much and they didn't do it. And they came back and they found a way to win it. I, I think that shows uh, a lot of credit and, and a lot of character. I, I just look at it as, um, you know, it, I, I haven't seen the updated numbers, but there was there was someone from another team who said to me that New Jersey's getting goalied. And if you look at their underlying numbers, oh, yeah. they're actually not, they're actually oh, not yeah. that bad. And they're just not getting saves. And 
you know, what's a Lavino's old line? If my goalie's better than your goalie, I win. If your goalie's better than my goalie, you win. Yeah. And that's been happening to the Devils uh, early in this season. But, like, like you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, I, I do think, Jeff, in general, pressure ratchets up in this division, in this league, more than earlier than it ever has. Like, you used to be able to ease into a season. You can't ease into a season anymore. There is statistical proof that if you butcher the first 10 games, how hard it is to climb out of that hole is impossible. And I just think that you see it. Anybody who goes out and loses three or four games early, you feel it. And I give a lot of credit to the Devils. They pulled that one from the brink last night because, as you said, the goaltending – wasn't very good to start it wasn't and i think if you the new jersey devils i think particularly salient here is who are the guys that scored the goals it's the big names it's dougie hamilton it's nico heischer it's andre palat it's you know the emerging star in in dawson mercer like we keep talking about the new jersey devils and all you know these high-end players that they have those were the guys that came to the rescue for each like those were the guys that got it done for New Jersey um, yesterday. I want to ask you about Buffalo because I was yep. asking this one off the top of the show too. Who are the Buffalo Sabers now? That was a great performance by Eric Comrie. Like we talked plenty yes. about what Craig Anderson did on that first game against the Ottawa Senators. He was fantastic. Comrie comes in yesterday, forty-six saves. There were other teams that were interested in Eric Comrie. Uh, you can correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. I don't think anybody was offering a second year. The Buffalo Sabres were, and they got him. They love him. Your thoughts on what we saw, the Buffalo Sabres taking care of the Edmonton Oilers yesterday, doubling them up 4-2, to two, and again, Dalene with a goal. Boom. J.J. Paterka, get used to that name. He scores a goal, and Alex Tuck as well. Who are the Buffalo Sabres, Elliot? I think they're a rising team, Jeff, and I think and getting that start at home, I wonder if at the beginning of the year, you know, Craig Anderson thought the Buffalo would be getting its third game and he'd have one less start than Comrie. But it's the way it's set up mm-hmm. that you had to give Comrie that game. You know, the, the thing I, I think about the Sabres is I think Anderson's a really good goalie and a super competitive guy. And I think Comrie, with the opportunity he's going to get here, and I believe you're right, the second year was big. Comrie with an opportunity would show he's a pretty good goalie. My biggest question, Jeff, was are they going to get 82 games out of that? Are are they going to get 82 games out of a a 41-year-old Craig Anderson and a guy in Comrie who's just never had the opportunity to play that much before? And based on, you know, I realize three is a very small divisible of 82, but based on what we've seen early on, <laughs> these two guys are going to give Buffalo a punching chance. You know, Comrie is, Comrie is such a great story. I remember that time a few years ago where he got claimed on waivers like four times. And I, and I, and I remember yes. talking to him about it. And, you know, he was so good. Um, you always want a chance to show you can go in one place. And, and he's done it. I mean, look, like, Look at what we were. We were wondering what the bottom of the Atlantic would look like. Detroit has a point in every one of its games. Yeah, uh, and they won a couple, and they they had the overtime loss to the to the Kings the other night. Buffalo has two wins. 
and Ottawa righted itself last night with the win. Like, I, I think these teams are going to make it interesting, and I kind of want that to happen. Do you think it will be because of Florida? Like the Aaron Ekblad wow. LTIR situation is a bad one for the Panthers. Like we're all wondering, okay, if one of these teams that you mentioned, Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, make it in, we all just assumed it was going to be because of Boston. Uh, maybe not know. so I, fast. I, yeah. We knew Florida was going to take a step back. I, I just wonder what the what – because the, there's no Uyghur there. He's in Calgary and looking great. Now you yeah. move Aaron Ekblad from the equation – that's a that's a real. I know you love Ekblad too. That's a that's a real tough one for Florida. That's a real tough one. Monsters hurt also. That that's the team I kind of wondered about. Would they be able to defend? Now Kachuk's been hugely impactful for them early on. He's got basically all of the Eastern Conference wanting to kill him, which means that he's you know done pretty much what he wanted to do. Uh, but I still wonder about the D there, right? I really do. And the other thing, too, is it's going to be hard for Florida to go out and get someone impactful uh, because they they just don't have a lot to give up. And, you know, the fact that they didn't put, you know, the, with with Ekblad, so it, it, they're, in, they're in a situation where, thankfully, they think he's coming back to play. So if you put him on LTIR, you have to prepare for him coming back off it. So he's mm-hmm. – so you, you have to be aware of that. By the way, I have to tell you, so I landed this afternoon during my regular hit, so I couldn't do it. But um, yeah. the, 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 my driver just coming back from uh, – the person who was driving me back from the airport to home, they were all about how the ghost of Harold Ballard just won't leave the Maple Leafs alone. He says, this Arizona loss was the ghost <laughs> of Harold Ballard. It won't leave us alone. I just wanted to share that. Um, it was quite do you a ride. Believe, do, well, I will, I will go you even further back then. Um, do we take this back to the Larry Hillman hex? Where after he was exposed after expansion in 67, he was so infuriated that he said the Maple Leafs will never win a Stanley Cup. We all know the curse of the Bambino, Elliot. What about the Hellman Hex? If we're going to go back to Harold Ballard on this team, do we go back to Larry Hellman as well? Maybe this is so bad because they've got double curses on. That could be it. That could be it. The, uh, we, uh, we, we need a sacrifice, Elliot. Uh, Boy, sacrifice the bodies are really uh, dropping to today, too. Fan. Connor Brown. James well, you saw Landeskog, Aaron, right? Eggblad, Landeskog. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough time. A lot of good players going down. Yeah, going down. You know, Rasmus, uh, Rasmus Sandin talking about how he wanted an opportunity. I saw you skating on the second pair today. There you go. Just uh, sign your contract and, uh, and, you, and you get your shot. What do you make of the Landeskog situation in Colorado? So this is 12 weeks, so that's significant. And yep. I don't think, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, I don't think that Patrick Kane's going to make up his mind until much later on this season. Not if he goes, but where he goes. How much do these uh, do the Patrick Kane talks fire up now that Landeskog is, is out for this sizable amount? I still think it's too soon. I, I, I still think it's too soon, but... You know, look, like last year, Landeskog left the, left the season with a knee injury and they won the Stanley Cup. So I see this as a good omen for Colorado. I, I still think it's too soon for King. Um, I, I don't think this mm-hmm. is happening anytime too quickly. 
Um, but you know, I just think it's, and again, I, you, I've told you, I think Colorado will add, uh, I think it's just a matter of what I think, I think he's a guy who's been on their radar before. It just seems like it's too quick for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good point about Connor Brown as well. Uh, long-term with the lower body injury, that is anything but good, and he's a real good player. Uh, before I let you go, uh, we were looking forward to Calgary and Vegas last night, and it yep. delivered. Vegas looked good early, but after the uh, after the Cadre situation in the crease and the overturned goal, that was it. Calgary with a great 40 minutes. They were fantastic. So they've beaten Colorado. They've beaten Colorado. They've beaten Edmonton. Now they've beaten Vegas. Uh, they are 3-0. and I know Dallas looks good. The Rangers look good. Carolina looks good. All of a sudden, the Kings have now won three games in a row. But are yeah. you ready to say that after one week in North America, the Calgary Flames are the best team in the NHL right now today? Why not? Let's go for it. We've got listeners out there. Let's make them feel good. <laughs> uh, I, I, think it, I think they were a little nervous starting the season with the, the three they started with, Colorado, Edmonton, and, and yeah. Vegas. And for the most part in those games, they were the better team. And uh, I think that says an awful lot about them. Kadri's been a, a, a great fit for them. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, if there's there's certain players who should be coached by certain coaches, and to me, Nazem Kadri, Daryl Sutter hmm. seems like an excellent match, that he'd be the kind of player Sutter would really appreciate, and Sutter would be the kind of coach that, Kadri could really thrive under um and, and you know I, to me I think I would bet a lot of those guys who are still there and this is a question you, you, you kind of have to ask them but I would bet that a lot of those guys who are still there would be really motivated to show that it was more than a one-line team last year you know they lost 200 points between those two guys and a lot of us thought they'd be worse yeah. I think it, I think if you're still there, and they had that Edmund series, like that's the other thing too. For a, a game and a half, they were skating rings around the yeah. Oilers, and then they got blown out of the province. I bet for a lot of those guys, it's it's a hugely motivating factor. You know who it looks like it is for? Who's looked fantastic this season? Michael Backlund. Yes. Like just just hearing you talk about you know the guys that were still there and wanting to show that that and I still think that that line that first line in Calgary is the best line in the NHL last season period full stop. Yeah. But I, I'm I I wonder too if if that's really a thing like okay you guys thought we were a, a, a one uh a, you know a one line team we'll show you the first name that jumps to my mind is Michael Backlund he and he looked great on Saturday against the Oilers he he looks like early Fridge he looks like that guy. He looks like well, you know guy. what I would bet? I would bet he probably wants to be the captain. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, like they don't have one. He's right been now. there for long. He's been there for long he's, enough. He's yes, been there he's for been long there enough. For long enough. He's been a key player for them. I would, I would bet he's motivated to show that he's, he's deserving of that. You know, they didn't name one. They've got a few rotating yep. A's. As you said, they've been he've been there a long time. I have I have no doubt at some point that he would have expressed a desire to say, "Hey, if if we're doing this, why shouldn't it be me?" And I could see like a, a Sutter Tree Living combo saying, 
It could be, but we need to see it. Three games tonight conclude on this. Flyers, Panthers, Jets, Avalanche, Blues, Kraken. Which one uh, interests you the most this evening, Frege? Well, number one, the one on Wednesday night hockey, because, you know, I'm a fantastic yes. teammate of my, my fellow co-workers. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is I thought the Jets had a really impressive opener. And now, and, yep. and then, of course, their, their game two, like Dallas looks like a buzzsaw. They're coming in here tomorrow night. They look really good. So now you want to see, you know, they're getting another great team. So how's that going to go? And, like, now I was on the plane this morning. Did Bonus make the trip? Is he coaching tonight? I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen if Bonus okay. made the trip. So that's, right the, now. You feel that, that's, the, that's the other thing I, I'm looking at is, you know, when does he make his debut? But the thing is, to me, like, that's the game I'm watching, A, because it's the Jets, and I like watching the Jets. And, B, I, I just think we're still trying to figure out what their identity is. One big win, one big loss, okay. It's still early, but what are we? I'm a little concerned, so I have to say, post- Jeff, for Seattle, too. I don't like the way they I, – I like the way they started, but I don't like the way their last couple of games have gone. Okay, so this from Ken Weeb. Uh, Scott O'Neill saying, Rick Bonus won't join the team on the trip, but should be back behind the bench on Saturday for the home game against the Maple Leafs. Do you think so, that uh, Scott Scott Arneal Arneal was like behind the bench? Do you think Scott O'Neill was like uh, tampering with uh, the, the most recent COVID test so he can stay behind the bench? Oh, Elliot! <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody. I know. I know everybody wants to be the head coach. I'm sure Scott O'Neill would love to be uh, the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, and I know that you know as much as as much as the coaching fraternity likes to preach kumbaya. You know, they'd, uh, what's the old saying, you know, knock, knock, knock a relative down an icy road for a nickel. Uh, if it meant a promotion, Elliot, if it meant a promotion, uh, I'll tell you why. Like I remember there was one story a few years ago, Ken Daniels when he still was the ra- least radio broadcaster. And this goes back 20 years. Yeah. He had a bit of a cold and, uh, he tried to broadcast the game and he only lasted and he got through it. But at the fan, they were joking that Tim Haffey was blowing a fan on him. So that you know Ken would not be able to finish the game. <laughs> so I've kind of always they're going to Wally I've pip him. Kind of used, Wally yeah, Wally pip that, him. Use that line like, okay, there's somebody here in a spot, and there's somebody else who wants them out. Like, what do they do to make to ensure that they get the spot? Uh, it has happened before. Uh, on that, we'll let you go. We have uh, Ian Mendez standing by to talk about that outrageous Ottawa Boston game last night. Uh, welcome home. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Elliot Friedman. Uh, all right, Jeff. Have a great day.